0: Hello, who are listening to the Greek Economics Podcast? Let's begin the episode of the best podcast in the world. Hey, everybody, this is Alkis and you're listening to the Greek Economics Podcast, the show that explores how social, technological, and economic conditions will affect the businesses of the future with a focus both on the Greek economy and worldwide. Today's episode will follow a structure similar to the one of the previous set of episodes published about the educational system in Greece and the problems that existed back back then and today. Today, we are going to talk about the Product Market Regulation and Competitiveness in Greece and more specifically, this is the first episode of the two in which we are going to talk about the problems and then in an episode after, we are going to talk about some possible policies that could be implemented in trying to solve these problems. And of course, uh, Product Market Regulation and Competitiveness is one of the main pillars of the economy today and was a factor that contributed to the extent of economic chaos that was caused by the financial crisis, which is one of the main axes of uh, this podcast. And I'm not going to talk about uh, this introduction anymore. We're going to go straight into uh, talking about today's topic. And uh, yeah, let's begin. To start things off, the main determinants of the competitiveness uh, of, a, of an economic system is the quality of the set of the rules and the regulations that govern the operations of markets and these should in theory at least promote competition investment and entrepre- entrepreneurship and these mu- should be well designed in the first place suitably applied and effectively enforced in order to make a country more competitive and prosperous. And Greece had, historically, before the financial crisis, uh, had very, very low uh, competition and a lack of uh, quality regulation, even though it had a lot of regulation. And it is one of the most heavily regulated in the OECD. And in this place, I want to add a bit of theory Uh, to back the things that I'm going to talk about later. And the the main theoretical framework that we need to mention beforehand are supply-side policies and more specifically, market-based policies. And what are market-based policies? Market-based supply-side policies can be distinguished into product-market-related policies, labor-market-related policies, and incentive-related policies. And there are indeed many types of product market related policies like anti monopoly regulation, in which, uh, because we know that monopoly power leads to higher prices, lower output, slower rates of innovation, and increased income inequality, usually. Uh, but uh, by establishing competition commissions and passing antitrust laws, the government can, in its way, limit the negative aspects of having monopoly power and it essentially blocks certain mergers and acquisitions, competition practices that are not ethical. And But since the 1980s, the USA has taken a much more permissive pro-business hands-off approach compared to the EU and other countries, because the EU tries to prevent mergers and acquisitions that would allow a firm to grow excessively and strengthen its monopoly position. It has blocked like several mega-mergers, such as the one between German uh, Siemens and the French uh, company Alstom, if I remember correctly, in the railway equipment and infrastructure market. And, of course, there are many other examples. And there are also other things like uh, privatization, trade liberalization, but today's main focus will be deregulation. And regulations are, as a definition, rules, restrictions, and laws imposed by governments that aim to modify the behavior of firms and the operational markets. But oftentimes, regulations have been introduced as a result of political pressure by special interest groups that aim to shield specific industries from competition or ensure that they enjoy preferential treatment in the form of guaranteed prices, subsidies, and so on. A different set of regulations such as environmental or health and safety regulations aim to promote these social objectives and these are what you call like the good regulations but oftentimes they are indeed not good for the economy and deregulation refers to the process of dismantling or relaxing these inappropriate rules in the case of greece the OECD identified 555 regulatory restrictions in Greece that were considered to harm competition. And therefore deregulation can sometimes benefit competition and consumers if entry barriers are removed and prices are determined by market forces. Deregulation also decreases the cost that burden firms and more competition, greater levels of efficiency, and fewer costly rules and restrictions to, uh, to, to an economy uh, may shift, if I may analyze it through uh, the basic theoretical framework of economics, shift the SRAS uh, and the longer LRAS, which is the long-run aggregate supply curve, uh, to the right, which means essentially that it increases the productive capacity of a country. and Not all deregulation has been successful, to also say the negative aspects. For instance, the deregulation of the US financial and banking industry has been considered by many as the root of the 2008-2009 global financial crisis. And also the deregulation, I'm going to stay to the US because it is a very good test case, a scenario for uh, for the negative (laughs) effects of deregulation. But the deregulation of the electricity companies in California has also been severely criticized, where economists and uh, suppliers were accused of deliberately limiting capacity, building investments to restrict supply artificially, and steeply increasing uh, prices charged to consumers. And lastly, the rolling of uh, our elimination of many environmental regulations by, you know, who I'm going to talk about, President Trump in the USA, is considered by many to have increased the risks of global warming and climate change, which is another typical example of deregulation. And if I could describe the positive effects of deregulation in one phrase, it would be that it promotes competition, making entry easier for more innovative firms, thus benefiting the economy as a whole. And to talk a bit more about numbers, according to the OECD stu- uh, to an OECD study by Scarpetta and Trechsel in 2002, a comprehensive regulatory reform alone could raise the competitiveness of the and ultimately the incomes of Greek citizens by more than 15%. You heard that right, one one five. And for at least two decades leading up to the economic crisis of 2009. Greece had been losing competitiveness uh, comparatively to other EU and OECD countries. And this negative trend was indeed halted by the reforms implemented under the 2010 Economic Adjustment Program. But here we also to, we also need to analyze what happened and what caused the crisis. And therefore, I think this is a pillar of the economic system and therefore was one of the main factors that contributed to this very bad economic environment that triggered, that pulled the trigger to, uh, to this very bad financial crisis in Greece, and the decline in Greece's competitiveness from two thousand and five onward, was driven to a large extent by declines in the efficiency of the goods, uh, of the goods market and the equality of institutions more generally. As I am looking at uh, different charts published by the World Economic Forum between two- 2006 and two thousand fourteen about uh, the different indexes that it publishes, uh, about uh, the things that I talked about and justifying my claims. And the World Bank actually publishes many reports that are helpful in this discussion. Among them are, is the Doing the Business report, which presents a quantitative uh, quantitative indicators of, on business regulations and the protection of property rights that can be compared across 185 countries. And these regulations affect 11 areas of the life of a business, of the stages, the steps of a business. And it refers to starting a business, dealing with construction permits, getting electricity, registering property, getting credit, protecting investors, paying taxes, uh, and others like trading across borders, enforcing contracts. And generally, these are the main uh, the main aspects that it analyzes. And based on the 2011 reports, so just after the Greek financial crisis, or actually more specifically during the Greek financial crisis, Greece was ranked 109th among 183 countries, very low, uh, down from the 80th position in 2006. And according to the report, as I read it, Among the most problematic factors were the inefficient government bureaucracy, the access to finance, the policy instability, the tax regulations and of course corruption. But after the reforms that took place in Greece, the 2015 report ranks Greece in the 72nd position, which kind of showed that the trend was uh, reversed a bit, but then in 2019 we are This is the latest report, we are 79th, if I'm not wrong. And there are other very useful indicators by the World Bank, like the Worldwide Governance Indicators, the WGI report, for the period between 1996 to 2013, which which provides aggregate and individual governance indicators for 215 countries. It's a bit more than what I mentioned previously. And the six dimensions of governance are covered, the voice and accountability, the absence of violence, uh, political stability, regulatory equality, rule of law, government effectiveness, and the control of corruption. Corruption, again. And it, indeed, provides evidence of of Greece's overall poor regulatory framework and decline over time. And the final indicator that I will consider is the Product Market Regulation, PMR indicator by the OECD, which is published every five years, which measures the quality and restrictiveness of product market regulations. And relative to the OECD average, Greece has a heavier product market regulation, more state control, and higher obstacles to entrepreneurship and investment. And all these indicators, these three that I mentioned, paint a similar picture about The Greek product markets before uh, and a bit after the crisis. And essentially, just to sum it up, it shows that there are high obstacles to entrepreneurship and investment, extensive state control, heavy and inefficient regulations that all contribute to the steady decline of overall competitiveness. And just to zoom in into these uh, Greek product markets, the main reasons behind the lack of effective competition are that they're excessive, and there there were at least, and there are still, but especially during the time before the Greek financial crisis, they were excessive and worthless regulations, in a large number of markets, resulting in high barriers to entry, protected markets, and closed professions, and two that there were inefficient implement there was an inefficient implementation of regulations such as competition law that can improve market outcomes and social welf- welfare. And the numbers that you're going to hear now about the excessive and worthless regulation are going to absolutely blow your mind. And even according to an OECD report in 2011 titled uh, The Functional Review of the Central Administration in Greece, between 1975 and 2005, there were new, there were added 171,500 new regulations. Which, if we divide them by the years, accounts to five thousand seven hundred and sixteen regulations per year. And Greece was the country with the highest new subordinate regulations across all OECD countries. And the problem with that is that, apart from the fact that they were excessive, there is no institutional. There was. There was no institutional framework in Greece to assess the regulations, abolish those that were not necessary or those that created very high uh, social costs. And the problem with that is that in most advanced countries, there is usually a central unit or organization with such responsibilities of assessing uh, the effects of regulations and an example is in Australia there is a, a major role is played by the Independent Productivity Commission. In the UK uh, the responsibility lies with a subgroup of the cabinet together with the Independent Regulatory Policy Committee and you can see that in most advanced countries there is usually some way to actually test the effectiveness of such, uh, of such uh, new laws that are being uh, passed. And because I could go into uh, seeing it uh, from above, seeing a holistic picture, I wanna do. I wanna split it into case studies. And one of the most famous ones, actually, are uh, trucks in Greece, which demonstrate the regulatory ineffectiveness that existed in Greece. And of course, the road freight transport sector accounts for ninety-eight percent of transportation of goods by land. I mean, it's the most, it's the easiest way to transfer goods, and. Until recently, it had one of the strictest regulatory frameworks in the OECD, according to a report, in 2001, which fueled the the crisis, by the way. Uh, And the government granted licenses to uh, haulage operators, essentially license for vehicles for public use, and set minimum tariffs. And actually, according to a report I found recently, no new licenses had been issued since the early nineteen seventies and what does it th- what does this mean? That the only way to enter the sector was to purchase an existing license at a significant cost in the secondary market with prices varying between thirty thousand and all the way to three hundred thousand euros for a license f- to drive to drive a truck and the of uh, the restrictiveness of the legal framework for road freight resulted in high rents for uh, for these people, inhibited competition, constrained development of outsourcing in tracking services, and resulted in high prices for almost all consumer goods because most of them, as I mentioned before, ninety-eight uh, percent were transferred using uh, the road freight transport uh, sector. But a new law in 2010 and subsequent important amendments to the law deregulated the road freight transport se- sector. But it, still, it was still a very important thing that caused this rigidity in the uh, in the whole uh, regulatory framework of Greece, which indeed I think I believe at least uh, was a major factor that contributed to um, to the Greek financial crisis, amongst of course the other product market inefficiencies. And uh, another second example is uh, with uh, bread and bake-off, and until until 1992, the price of a loaf of bread was regulated by the state heavily. In 1992, the government lifted all geographic restrictions regarding the establishment of new bakeries and allowed the sale of bread and bread products uh, from other retail channels such as supermarkets. Uh, but the thing that it did not take into account was that there were very uh difficult licensing requirements to establish a bake of installation. What a bake of installation is essentially a small oven to bake to bake these bread rolls and in order for a supermarket to actually create them uh the regulations were very restrictive and what this led to was that um installing a small oven. Was a bureaucratic procedure equivalent to an industrial installation, and consequently most supermarkets could not sell bread and Despite having this regulation that lifted all these restrictions in order to allow them to produce bread, it was essentially uh they had a very very small effect and there were indeed subsequent changes in two thousand seven two thousand ten. But then they made the law less restrictive, but still supermarkets were not allowed to mount uh, bake of services until finally in 2013, uh, the restrictions were eased. And now the bakery sector is one of the most vibrant sectors in, uh, in the country. And this demonstrates, as a case study, uh, how stupid <laughs> these regulations were as you tried to make something better knowing the good outcome that it would have because it really had a very good outcome but because you just don't do the job right you leave some things that really make this reform these uh, this regulation useless and the last example in order to start uh, concluding today's episode is the fresh pasteurized milk test case and greek legislation back then allowed during 2010 2009 allowed that only pasteurized milk with a shelf life of up to five days can carry the word fresh milk on its packaging and Greece Was and is the only country in the EU that regulates the shelf life of milk in this way And what is the problem, okay? And this of course shows that Greece had many old and outdated regulations And of course you can tell me like what was the effect of fresh pasteurized milk on the financial crisis Yeah, okay, it was not directly linked, but it really demonstrates that even basic things such as this one were inefficiently regulated, and due to the limited self-life, importing fresh milk from other EU countries is not practicable, because it has a limited self-life, and consequently there is limited competitive pressure on all stages of milk production. And as a result, Greek consumers are paying one of the highest retail prices for fresh pasteurized milk across the European Union, which is 34% higher uh, than the the average uh, prices. And also consumers on most islands and remote uh, mountainous villages do not have access to fresh milk, and small producers in Northern Greece cannot reach the larger urban areas Therefore, the the 5-day restriction creates an inefficient and costly system for collecting and returning expired products from retailers, which amounts to 5% of the final retail price of fresh pasteurized milk. And although an OECD report on the same topic, there has been a specific report on the same topic in 2014 uh, recommended abolishing the 5-day restriction, the most recent, I think, data that I have and found was that the final version of the law that was passed in 2014 increased it from uh, 5 to 7 days. And the main thing here is that there is no pressure on local producers to modernize and improve their productivity. Therefore, this really shows that the effects are quite cumulative and are kind of like a domino effect, as I'd like to say. Which is a good way to conclude today's episode because it really shows the many problems that existed before and after the Greek financial crisis and still exist, even though at a smaller uh, scale. But I think that these test cases really do demonstrate one of the biggest problems that the Greek economy faced uh, before, which um, really made much, much worse the crisis that came after thank you for tuning in Greek economics listeners and we will meet again in the next episode are kind of like a domino effect as i like to say which is a good way to conclude today's episode because it really shows the ma- the many problems that existed before and after the Greek financial crisis and still exist even though at a smaller uh, scale but... I think that these test cases really do demonstrate one of the biggest problems that the Greek economy faced uh, before, which um, really made much, much worse the crisis that came after. Thank you for tuning in, Greek Economics listeners. And we will meet again in the next episode.